Hello, and welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for, honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, what matters. Okay. Hello and welcome back. I am so thankful for the space that you guys gave me Um, through the month of August. I, for those who don't know, have been really sick with uh, what started as bronchitis and quickly morphed into pneumonia and pleurisy. And I had to um, be in the hospital for a bit. And so I am on the mend um, and was hoping that that listeners were um, checking our social feeds, but uh, if this is news to you, welcome back and uh, thrilled to be here with you guys for this episode. Today on the Let It Matter podcast, I am joined by the just delightful and brilliant Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes to talk all about self-care, demystifying what it is, how to return to the fundamentals of it, dispelling some common misunderstandings, um, either from religious aspects or from privilege aspects. It's a really, really great conversation, and I know it's going to uh, really benefit you guys. Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes is a prominent psychologist, theologian, and author whose work focuses upon healing the legacies of racial and gender oppression. She is a professor at Columbia Theological Seminary and the author of Sacred Self-Care, I Bring the Voices of My People, and Too Heavy a Yoke. Here is my conversation with Dr. Walker Barnes. All right, Dr. Shaniqua Barnes, uh, Walker Barnes, excuse me. I am so thrilled to have you on the Let It Matter podcast today. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about the conversation. I am too. And I was so, gosh, when I saw that your book was just coming down the pike, Sacred Self-Care, um, I knew you were the person to write it. I followed your work online and I've heard you, um, you know, through Evolving Faith and stuff. And I just... Uh, Yours was the perspective I knew we needed, and then I got it, and I read it, and I was right, <laughs> and your publishers were right. It was you that needed to write it, so I can't wait to to bring this this conversation to listeners. Um, I want to start off, if we can, just with some some definitions um, of what you consider in your definition self care is. What do we mean in this conversation when we're talking about self care? Yeah, so self care. Um, is is part of the practices that we use 
to sustain ourselves, um, to to sustain ourselves as human beings. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for those of us who are um, religious leaders, right, Um, it's to sustain our discipleship and our ministry. But most of all, self-care is really just the practices that we use to nurture ourselves um, Mm -hmm. physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and even intellectually. Mm. I... I love that because I think it it sort of demystifies. People can feel like, like, oh, I'm not ready to go on that journey yet because it feels like this nebulous sort of idea or something really hard or complicated. Um, and and self-nurture, self-care, if you sort of break down the actual words like you just said, um, you know, in some of our most basic ways, we, we have to do it to stay alive. Um, and in some of, you know, in some ways we've got... Uh, you as a teacher here to, to show us like maybe there are some better, better ways forward, some habits that we can incorporate into our daily or weekly or monthly rhythms that, um, you know, that can, that can start to build on rather, not just existence and survival, um, but actual care and nurture. So yeah. thank you for, for breaking that down. One of the things I, there's sort of two different ways I think self-care gets misunderstood, right? And the first one is, two major ones at least, the first one is um, the pushback largely from, I hear it from women and largely from religious or conservatively religious women, is that it's selfish. Um, I feel selfish to prioritize myself. I feel selfish because my yes to that means a no to my husband or my kids or my work or my church or, you know, whatever else it may be. Um what would you say to someone who's struggling with that sort of messaging? Yeah, I, I have to tell you, I've been doing this now um, in terms of teaching other people about self-care for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And that remains one of the most common things I hear. And every single time it's been from a woman. I, I've never heard that from anybody who, who, um, is, is has been is socialized as a male, right? Yeah. Um, never, never once. It's always women. Hmm. And so one of the first things I try to do in this book is to try to um, really kind of confront that misunderstanding that self-care is selfish. Um, I could get into the whole um, theology around where that Let's comes from. Okay, so... <laughs> So years ago, and I actually talk about this in my 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 first book, Too Heavy a Yoke. Um, so Reinhold Niebuhr, you know, for all his brilliance, um, he identified the fundamental human sin as pride. Right. He said the fundamental human sin is pride is the thing we all struggle with. And what we need to do is have more of a sense of selflessness. Right. And so a lot of Christian discipleship then focused around giving up yourself. Right. Sacrificing yourself. Right. So we hear a lot of these things about sacrifice and taking up the cross, suffering on behalf of others. It was a while before a feminist theologian, Valerie Saving, came on board and say, yeah, maybe for men. (laughs) The fundamental sin is pride mm-hmm. or thinking too much of yourself. But for women, it's different. For women, the fundamental sin is that it's actually selflessness. 
Mm. that we actually don't often have a self to think highly of, right? And and, and in in doing so, because God created us to have a self, we've actually given up what God has gifted us with. So a lot of women have that and they come to self-care with that misunderstanding, this idea that to be a good woman, to be a good Christian woman, especially, Mm -hmm. it means that I have to put everybody else uh, ahead of me, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I have to put myself on the back burner and anything that I do for myself is taking away from somebody else. We we think of ourselves and care as a zero sum game, right? So that if we're Mm. giving care to ourselves, then we're not giving it to other people. And actually it's the the reverse of that. Very often like caregiver burnout is real. And often when people extend themselves so much, they end up burning out like sometimes literally like to the point of death right um women um this is a a huge deal for for black women i've heard so many stories particularly of professional black women who were educators um and caregivers for a lot just dropping dead like no no warning right women who are in their 40s or 50s just dropping dead right so there's a way in which we can literally give out from that One of the things I discovered kind of by accident on my own self-care journey when I started doing this is that once I began to put myself first and say, like in the morning, (laughs) my Mm -hmm. first priorities are I'm going to exercise, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to do these things before anybody else gets theirs, right? I discovered I had more energy to care for Mm -hmm. others. Because if we're not getting our needs met, we're usually in fight or flight mode. We're in survival mode. Mm -hmm. Caring gets switched off, right? We might be doing things like out of habit, out of a sense of duty, but our actual sense of connection to what we're doing actually lags, right? It's not there. And so once we learn how to put ourselves First, in the right way, right? And which is part of what I'm trying to do with this book is trying to figure out what does that look like? Um, Then we find we have more compassion and energy to give to other people. And we can do it openly because we're not being diminished by it at all. Gosh, that's so wise. And I, and I think of, uh, you know, p- people sort of the demographic of those who listen to this show. And I think of the people in my life, my sister-in-law, for example, has three kids under five and she's at home with them all day. Um, while my, you know, my brother goes to work and, uh, and we often have the conversation about, uh, the, you know, on the, on the plane, you have to put your oxygen mask on you yep. before you can put it on the babies. That's the rule because they got to have you. Right. Um, and you're not good to anybody. Um, and I started to wonder if that, that last little bit, like you're no good to anybody if you're burnt out is, is that even a most helpful, like motivation for self-care because it's still, you know, I'll do this for myself for the sake of, um, of my kids or for the sake of our home or whatever. Um, I'm curious of your thoughts on that. I don't know that I think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it can help supplement, but um, I'm curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I have to say, I come to that probably thinking like a therapist. So Mm. if that's what gets people there, Go for it. Right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So often, um, you know, ultimately we want people to, I want people to think, to recognize that they were created by God and that are therefore they are just worthy 
of care, right? And, 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 and we're created by God to need care, right? Like the way our bodies function, that's how they're designed to function. We're designed to need good sleep and, and good food and exercise and all of these things and love, right? We're designed to need all of that. And so um, we should do it just because. But if what people need to get started mm-hmm. is... I'm going to do this so I can be better for my children. I'm going to do this so I can be better at in my ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Then start there. That If that's what you need, start there. Yeah, I love that. I think it's a really generous um, way of seeing it. And then, you know, it is sort of seems cyclical because if you are better for your children, like, like you said, you know, you can be doing the tasks, but maybe not, you know, attuning. Like you can say, let me get you a Band-Aid if you fall, but not like, baby, you know, let's talk about that kind of thing. Um, And when you do that, you feel better about yourself as a mother. It's sort of, I think, a cyclical thing that feeds into your self-esteem or your uh, self-image or whatever um, that actually is a reverse of someone who thinks, uh, I wouldn't respect myself very much if I took all this time out for self-care yeah. and uh, away from my family. No, in fact, I think it will actually build uh, build on itself uh, yeah. as a as sort of and paying dividends that way. The flip side of this, I'm not over you saying that no men has ever said that. I just I can't get over <laughs> it. I'm not past it yet. I, I we could have a whole other episode about that and this isn't to dog right. men necessarily but like I, you're right I have I, I, I don't do you think it's because they don't as much prioritize those things or do you think it's like I've never seen my dad say like I need a I just need a mental health day right or maybe he needed to you know what I mean right. it's you know it's a really weird thing with men because sometimes men can be so disconnected from themselves that they can't even express that they have that need. And so I think Mm. men have a way of approaching self-care differently, but I think men also are less likely to necessarily see it as a zero sum game, right? Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're, they're less likely to think that them doing this thing for them, like them going to hang out with their friends automatically means they're not good as as a father or a husband Mm -hmm. or right like they they don't see it necessarily in that same way the way that women are conditioned to all of your attention has to go to these people and or in your job and all these other things and your Mm -hmm. church like before yourself there's a there's a way in which men don't necessarily feel the need to give permission Mm -hmm. or to apologize right um, yeah. women, like we often apologize as part of that too. Right. Yeah. So for like taking up space, men taking don't quite space. feel as, as, as apologetic for taking up space. Boy, is that right? Um, the, the, I like that you said though, that it, it may be a, just a level of disconnection, the inability to name it. But I also yeah. think like we, the socialization of men, you know, the dominant narrative of men is you are helping your family when you're away because you're away working. So you're providing for your family when you're out of the house versus maybe a dominant, especially, you know, more religious circles of for women, when you're away, you're, you're hurting your children because yeah. they need their mother. Um, and that's really, oof. Oof, I'm going to be thinking about this for a long time. Um, the other side of this, the self-care conversation is that it's sort of become this like influencer buzzword, this sort of Instagram, uh, wellness 
culture thing um, that really sort of depends on a lot of privilege and money and uh, whiteness in a lot of spaces and expensive products or services, those kinds of things. What is a corrective for people who to understand self-care in, in a way that like reframes it as this is for everyone, not just the wealthy, not just, um, you know, for women who work are working three jobs and for, you know, women who don't have to work because they just don't even need the money. That, the, how can self-care apply to all of those? Yeah. Yeah. Those really are the two bookends of the, the misperceptions about self-care. So, yeah, when I first started, I got a lot of women saying self-care is selfish. And then at some point you'd start seeing commercials and stuff talking about self-care and that sounded good. But then I was like, oh, but no, that's not what we're talking about. Right. So <laughs> now there's this dominant idea that self-care is something that you either have to buy mm -hmm. or travel to. Right. So mm -hmm. it's either, you know, or consume in some kind of way. So when I talk to people about self-care, they'll say, oh, well, yeah, I have a vacation coming up in a couple of months or um, I'm going to try to do a spa day or I'm going to yeah. go get a pedicure. Or I'm going to go shopping. Right. All of those things that take money and self-care is so much more fundamental about that. And, and most self-care really doesn't take money. Um, those things that we do, I say that's like that's like the splurging. That's mm -hmm. like, you know, um, getting your car detailed. Right. I'm going to go and take it to the car wash and I'm like them going to shine it all up and yeah. clean it and make it look really good and smell really good. That's great. If your car has no gas, <laughs> if it doesn't have any oil, if you've got bad brakes, <laughs> but yeah, but it, that doesn't yeah. help you, right? And no. so, so be sitting on blocks looking it can be nice. sitting on blocks looking perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh so self-care is those things we do to keep the car running. Right. Yeah, and to keep it good. running well. So it is. Am I giving it the right kind of gas you know, and, and getting gas in it? Right. Am I giving it all? Am I taking it for service? So it's really mm -hmm. simple things like, you know, the fundamentals of self-care are so much more basic. It's did I get enough sleep? Yeah. Am I drinking enough water? Right. Um, am I in relationships with people who um, who feed me, who nurture me, right? Um, and I nurture them too. Am I in give and take relationships, not just all one-sided relationships, right? So relationships are actually a big part of self-care, right? Mm -hmm. Am I getting the type of physical activity my body needs, right? Yeah, yeah. These are all the things that we're doing. That stuff doesn't take any money. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. And I, I was thinking about like with my like for example with my sister in law, it could be different for everyone because she she her self care for her can be I gotta get out of this house. Yeah. And I don't have to go spend money, but I gotta get maybe go on a walk or something. And for me, I'm single and I live alone. And so snuggles with my niece and nephews are like, I mean, that oxytocin, that connection, yeah. that's, I prioritize that as self care. So sometimes now it's just, you know, for a few hours and then I'm set and then it actually is a task not self-care um but but i i that is important to me i try to make sure it's in my schedule to go get snuggles with the babies and to go play pokemon with my you know and make sure that uh that i'm filling up in those spaces um whereas for her that's it may not be a fill up it may be a depletion of the gas tank um and I, I just, I'm never one to make a car metaphor, but I like the way you said it because it seems to me like part of what you're saying on the, 
on the corrective is it's not just that it needs the gas. It's knowing like paying attention when the light comes on or when the gauges are telling you rather than waiting until the engine has blown. Right. Waiting until it breaks down on you. Right. But to actually notice or even to be preventative and say, wait a minute, it's time for service. Right. Mm -hmm. The oil change that we know when I hit this marker, there's nothing wrong with the car, but I need to go get it serviced so that nothing will go wrong with the car. So it stays. Right. Yeah. 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 So it's that type of thing. So self-care a lot of times is that is that preventative work that we Mm do so that we can keep, um, you know, as I would say, you know, to run our leg of the race well. Right. And, And again, and you're right. It is so individualized and it's based on uh, developmental issues are huge. So like your sister-in-law with three young children at home, self-care is going to look very different at this point in her life than it will, you know, 15 mm-hmm. years from now. Right. When they're all teens or young adults. Right. That's going to look yeah. different. But there is a way in which you still have to say, OK, and what can I do now? What are my needs now and how do mm-hmm. I get those needs met? Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it can be for someone who has a disability. That might look very differently from than somebody who's fully able-bodied, right? There's some things that are going to to, to look different, right? In terms of yeah. what's your ideal exercise? What can you tolerate? You know, what's that balance for you? So mm-hmm. some of this is like um, learning ourselves, right? And we're really not taught to do this. But, you know, it'd be great if every, when we were born, we got like an instruction manual that was like yeah. personalized and like, this is how you take care of Kelly, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Here are the instructions <laughs> for life, but we don't learn that. So we have to figure it out for ourselves. Like, what do we mm-hmm. need? And those needs change over time, right? Yeah. As we get older, uh, as we, yeah, if you have a family, you're surrounded by people all the time. Maybe yeah. your self-care is I need to withdraw and I need some time yeah. on my own. Whereas other times we're like, my self-care is I actually need to be around people mm-hmm. who are making me laugh. Right. Like, yeah. That that is self care too. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I want to let's get, let's sort of get into the into some of the specifics of of self care. I love that your book is sort of broken down by week, um, and then each week has a different theme. And so, unfortunately, we don't have time to go through all of it. But um, I, I do want to start. I've heard you mention the fundamentals of self care. Can you sort of walk us through some of the fundamentals? How we can begin to, or just more, be more intentional about incorporating these very basic building blocks into our yeah. our rhythms. So the real basic building box of, of self care, just kind of you know, starting with the fundamentals, is um, rest, right? Mm-hmm. Activity. So whether that's exercise or whatever, um, it's nutrition and hydration. Um, it's, it's spirituality, right? So praying, meditating, being involved in some sort of spiritual discipline in its relationships, mm. like, and, 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 and being in, again, really a lot of times, especially folks who are, 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 are Christian women, I think mm-hmm. Christians, people who are religious leaders, we can often be in a lot of relationships that are one-sided. Mm. Meaning we're giving, giving, giving and never receiving. And so relationships are about relationships based on mutuality, 
Mm. Right. Um, And so that is a different type of, yes, I can serve all of these people, but where's the relationship where nobody needs anything from me? Mm. Right. Where they're just here and we're just enjoying each other or rather where I know I can ask them for help. So the basic block, the, the building blocks are really simple, like get good sleep. You know, um, Mm -hmm. move your body in ways that you can, you know, um, eat what's right for your body. Notice I don't say eat a particular diet because, again, what works for you, there's some things that are are very healthy that my body's like, yeah, no, Um, (laughs) I'm not doing that. I don't like that. Right. Drinking enough, right? Um, That sounds so simple. But how many people don't drink enough because we don't want to use the bathroom like at work or we don't want to use the bathroom like out in public where we're at Target or whatever. So that becomes a really simple thing, right? But it's a hard, simple thing. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, these we're sort of listing them as the fundamentals, the basics, the, the first steps. These are some of the ones, at least I've seen in my life and in my circles that can often go the most neglected. Yeah. And especially for people who are like real intellectuals, right? So they're really feeding themselves there or yeah. they're really like into um, therapy and self-improvement. They're really feeding themselves in, in mental health space. Um, but they you know, I, I, this was something I had to learn. I have ADHD and food is, a, is different for me because sometimes literally just depending on where I'm at in a day, I have either forgotten to eat or I want to eat, but I have to do it while I'm thinking about it. Cause if I have to sit here and cook, I'm going to just say no. So I need something I can grab, but I need that to, I can't only have that cause I need to be healthy, you know? And so it's sort of, uh, I like what you said about it. If food that works for you or food that you need there's times that I need to grab an uncrustable from the freezer peanut butter and jelly you know and and let that be for at least for a little while longer but I need to eat that there's times that I'm, my body needs vegetables I'm I'm in the south I don't know I my I didn't grow up on vegetables corn and potatoes really were the only vegetables I grew up on <laughs> it wasn't until way after college that I learned like oh I like broccoli I let you know there's a few yeah. more not many but But it's really, especially living alone, because cooking a big meal just feels so extra when it's just me. And so really, there are aspects of it that make these fundamentals sometimes the hardest. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because a lot of them have multiple steps, right? So one of the things for me, yeah, eating for me was a struggle for many years until I realized I wasn't allotting time for it, right? And the time for it included time to go to the grocery store. Yeah. And that was like, that was one of the first downfalls. Cause I was like, I got too much to do. I don't have time to go to the store, which meant it was going to end up being takeout or something quick. Right. Mm-hmm. But first it was like, Oh wait, if I actually want to prioritize eating well, that means I have to prioritize cooking and to cook. Mm-hmm. I have to have food in the house. Right. Yeah, so yeah. It was like, Oh, it takes all of these steps to make that happen for myself. But yeah, yeah. it's very common, especially if I think people who are high achievers, If you're a student, um, this is a big deal, I think, for people in my profession as faculty. You know, I I, I joke, you know, how do you get a a Ph.D.? You sit your butt in the seat and you don't get up until the work is done. (laughs) And you ignore everything else. Right. You eat whatever you can eat while you're sitting at your computer. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us live lives like that. Right. And so we have gotten to be successful. um, Yeah. Because 
a lot of times by learning how to ignore our body's needs, right? Like you need to use the bathroom, but you don't want to get up right now. So, you know what? I'm just going to not going to drink anything for a while. And, you know, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not going to move too much. Yeah, my back kind of hurts, but I really got to knock this out. Right. So I'm going to stay. I need to sleep. I, but I've got another hour I could get done. Yeah. Yes. It's all of those things. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think part of it is just learning how to be um, think about, yeah, what do we actually need to be? Well, it's it's actually pretty simple. Um, so, you know, in the book, I get through the fundamentals pretty easy. Yeah. And then I spend the rest of the book really thinking about why don't we do those things? Right. Mm-hmm. What do we need in place so that we will do the things we need to do to care for ourselves? Mm. That's good. That's really good. I I have to say, I loved the section on self-compassion. That's something that a therapist sort of introduced to me a few years ago now, um, because as a sort of a, a corrective to this shame I carried around during about some, you know, just piss poor choices I made in my 20s with debt and with uh, the law and things like that. Um, and, and I just was so... I didn't want to think about it or talk about it. I just was like, I'm done with that. And I didn't want to address it. And as she sort of taught me about self-compassion, um, rather than like being mad at myself for those decisions. Now I can say this was all the factors going on. I just lost my sister. I had just gotten clean from my own addiction. I was, I, you know, hadn't even processed my sexual assault yet. I was just barely trying to hold water, of course. And I was 23. I was a baby. You know what I mean? Like these sort of things to, then I can start to feel this sort of softness begin to form as I look on that version of myself. What's harder for me is self-compassion for like stuff I'm, I've done like last week or something. And so can you talk a little bit about self-compassion as self-care and sort of what you mean by it and how, how that plays into it? Yeah. I think of self-compassion really as, um, the, the love and care we extend to other people, like directing that back towards ourselves, right? When it comes to our, our needs, we, we will tell other people to take care of their needs, right? Mm-hmm. So like parents, if you care for kids, your friends, right? Your family members, we will tell them a heartbeat. You need a break. You need some rest, right? We'll make yeah. sure oh, you need something. To eat. Like we will make sure other yeah. people have what they need. Yes. But then we somehow convince ourselves that we don't deserve that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that has to do with the the way we love or don't love ourselves. And so self-compassion comes up in a lot of ways. It comes up with our self-talk. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the the language we use for ourselves is Ugh. often the harshest Yes. language like we say yes. things to ourselves even if it's only inside our head that we would never say to another person right, right. Um, and and the ways in which we um, you know and I kind of learned this as a parent because if my kid needs something it's, it's handled right like mm-hmm. immediately right um, like back to school shopping it doesn't matter how financially strapped we were the mm-hmm. kid was going to have everything he needed yeah. Meanwhile, I would be like having feet that hurt because I'm wearing gym shoes that are three years old and I really yeah. need some new ones. Right. And so at some point I thought, wait, I would never do this to him. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing it to myself? Right. And my, yeah. my husband and I, we had this conversation like when he needs stuff, 
we're like, okay, yeah, here, right? Here yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, getting him to the doctor, right? All the time. Like That's we make huge. those appointments. We yeah. get him to the doctor. If he's sick, we take him. We like, okay, we're taking sure we're gonna shut everything down. Yeah. If I'm or even sick, just as simple as you're taking the day, you stay home today. You're taking the day and you're gonna rest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you got a fever, you rest, you don't feel you you rest, you're gonna stay here today. Yeah. Whereas if we do it's like, nope, got too much to do, right? Yeah. Like can't afford to be sick, we're gonna keep pressing through. So self compassion yeah. is about learning how to extend care for ourselves. And mm-hmm. so there are ways in which, you know, we we, we check our what our self-talk is what messages are we sending ourselves right about our worthiness mm-hmm. about our priorities about where we are in our priorities mm-hmm. because those are huge impediments to to our self-care right yeah. um for me when i first started my own self-care journey i used affirmations which is one of the tools i talk about for mm-hmm. but it was because that's what i use and the first one i had to say is i am worthy of self-care Because every day, and I still struggle with this, every day I get up, when I wake up in the morning, Mm -hmm. I'm automatically thinking all the stuff I have to do, right? And I need to get to it as soon as possible. And Mm -hmm. so I'm, you know, every morning I deal with the battle of, do I do my meditation now? Or, or do I, do I just try to hurry up and get to work? Right. Do I stretch? Do I do my exercises now? Or do I just try to hurt? And I have to stop myself and say, I am worthy of self-care because what's Mm -hmm. underlying my, my rush to do other things is that work is more important than me. Right. Um, being there for my family, I try to be up and available for my 15 year old who doesn't even want me around. Like, up like and like just at the ready like just mm-hmm. in case he needs me and he's yeah. looking at me like put me in coach <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but I'm having to unlearn that right like no yeah. he, he's fine I can take yeah. care of myself because he's fine um, <laughs> but I have to struggle with that every day that idea mm-hmm. that I actually am worth my energy and my time as much as everything else is. It's and I think there's an added layer to it because I believe I am worthy of self-care. The saying it is hard because I was raised in in uh, environments theological environments where that was a heretical statement to say I am worthy. Yeah. Because we have to be such, you know, you worm Jacob um that we have to uh, just make ourselves just the lowest of the dirt in this, in these theologies. And I don't subscribe to those anymore, but they're these insidious sort of muscle memory or something in my brain where if I say the words, I am worthy or I love myself, I feel, it feels like, girl, you've gone off the deep end. Yeah. Yeah. Just for a second. And then I can correct it. Um, but I, I'm just thinking about somebody listening to this going like, wait a second, you know, this is different than what I hear in in church about we're not worthy. It's very different. And for girls too, if you think about how girls are socialized, I was sitting around with my family one Christmas and my, my young cousins, I was, I think I was a college student and my young cousins, they had their toys. They'd all brought their toys. They got all the girls got things that taught them to care for other people. They got kitchen oh. sets and baby dolls and doll houses Yes. And the boys, meanwhile, had things that were about what job you're going to do in the world. Right. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, 
Oh my God. This starts <laughs> early. This starts so early, right? That we are like girls, especially are trained to put their focus on other people. Like not even other people, pretend people, dolls, right? My niece the other day, <laughs> I have a picture of my niece drinking her bottle and putting a bottle in the baby doll at the same oh time. Sister, you ain't got to multitask <laughs> care for a baby. <laughs> You can drink your bottle. Right. Take the time. Like that's, she's yes. 18 months and wow. it starts that little. She knows how to brush a, a baby's hair. My nephews don't. She knows right. how to, you know, she knows about a diaper. She, she's going to be potty yes. trained way before the, the one that's above her because she knows how to identify, oh, a diaper change. Cause that's what, when we play. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, I, I didn't, it, that had never occurred to me until just recently when I saw like the toys she was getting and stuff. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this starts at the top and it starts early. <laughs> it starts very early. So this Ooh. idea of focusing on ourselves, yeah, right? And and try and thinking, "Oh, what are my needs?" Even if we get to the point where we're like, "This is the right thing to do," we have a lifetime of conditioning that tells us it's not. And yeah. so we are we're constantly having to battle like no, I know that I need this care. I know that I need these things. Yeah. I know that I deserve these things just in my own right. Yeah. But there's still those voices saying, but you'll be a better mom. You'll be a better daughter. You'll yeah. be like, like if you do yeah. do it this way instead, then you're a better person. Gosh. I, and I think it's just worth the work to overcome, to just sort of, like you said, use affirmations if necessary, make yourself say it out loud enough until you start to believe it. Yes. Um, what I think, uh, I think when I think about self care, um, it doesn't seem like something that would translate to the Bible very easily. Cause it does seem like a little bit of a more modern notion, but Jesus was so big on like, I need to get away from y'all for a few days. I, I have to prioritize this relationship with my father. I need to prioritize prayer. I need to sleep. He's on a boat and they're like drowning. And he's like, y'all, I'm sleeping. I'm fine. Y'all are fine. <laughs> yes. You know, I, and it, it really is interesting to see the way, you know, Jesus can be exhausted. Jesus can be worn slick by the crowds, but when he is, he'll say, I'm done. I need to pull away. Yeah. Um, and, and doesn't, you know, for, for the job he had to do, right. He had three years of ministry. And if you're the Messiah, that feels like not enough time. And so any time taken to yourself for like a fishing trip feels like this is wasteful. This is what are you doing? Yeah. You, make, you know, don't waste your life kind of stuff. Um, but I really, I really love that we have that example in him uh, yeah. of, of prioritizing the self because that addresses the theological part of it. The lie that says you're not worthy of it. Right. Because Jesus Jesus knew that as humans, yes, we are. Yeah. And um, also the lie that we don't need it, right? Like yeah. this idea that we don't need it. But if you think about Jesus needed sleep, yeah. Jesus needed sustenance, Jesus needed friends that he could count on and spend good time with, right? Yeah. Like Jesus needed all of those things. And so that means do we need them even more. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Jesus really did model in a lot of ways how to set good boundaries <laughs> like what you will and will not tolerate. Yeah. But also at times how to treat himself. Right. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah. You right, want to invite like, me to right. this fancy dinner? I'll come. I'm going to give it to you while I'm there, but I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> right. Turn water into wine. I'm going to make sure it's the good stuff. Right. That's like stuff. That's right. <laughs> not, we're not drinking box wine around here tonight. So. <laughs> I yeah. love that. I love that. It, it really is. A, it's something that like, uh, I just never would have thought to go like, here, this is a little thing I like to say, you know, it says Jesus is our sympathetic high priest. And I, it, because he experienced everything we did. And I always say to, <laughs> to my sister-in-law, yeah, but he didn't ever have PMS. That's the one thing he's not our <laughs> sympathetic high priest about. He doesn't know. <laughs> and no. then uh and so it was kind of one of those things i was like he didn't he didn't like need a massage he didn't you know but first of all that was my incorrect assumption of what self-care was and second of all boy he really did model did. it well yeah. uh and so i think that's just for somebody who's like well show me in the bible well there you go Jesus. Um, I want to jump back. You distinguish in the book between our emotions and our minds, um, which I appreciate. Um, Can you give us maybe one practice from each of those um, of each of those weeks or sections? Yeah. So, and, and they can, they can overlap a little bit. Mm -hmm. Right. And so for our minds, I focus a lot on mindfulness, um, which Mm -hmm. mindfulness is also awareness of emotions, but it does often focus on our thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, what are the, the thoughts that we have running, um, in, in our heads, a lot of times the autopilot that we often function on and being more aware of of our thinking so i i I use a lot of mindfulness strategies Mm. for um for that part of the book and then for our emotions um that's really it's it's more feelings right it's the um and it's it's how we manage the negative feelings i'm I'm always cautious about using that words right um so air quotes around negative but Mm -hmm. um, but also how do we intentionally nurture the good feelings Mm. and so laughter and play are things that that i talk about doing um play was another thing i stumbled on one day when i was feeling kind of bad and and stressed out i can't even remember what i was stressed out about and my son was home that day and this was when he was more um preschool age and he wanted to finger paint and so i was like you know what i think i'm gonna do that with you right like normally it's like take out the stuff for him and then (laughs) hope that entertains him for a while so i can do my work but that day was like no i'm gonna stop work and i'm gonna he's like mommy you're gonna paint (laughs) and i'm like yeah i and i had the best time right and afterwards i was like wait that did something for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't even just, it was fun doing it with him, but it did something for me on my own. Yeah. And so I think, you know, nurturing um, good feelings and that can be important, especially now, like Mm -hmm. the news cycle every day, you're like, like what, what fresh hell are we in today? Like what what is going to pop up today on the news feed, right? Like there's a way in which a sense of hopelessness can be pervasive right now. So tending to that, right? So part of it is being aware of our emotions, especially in this high stakes, like during COVID when anxiety was all around us, I was very intentional about, I need to laugh 
every day. Mm. Right. I need to find some way to laugh every day. So for me, I will regularly um, baby videos and puppy videos do it for me. Yes. And so get on YouTube. And before you know it, I've spent like 20 minutes (laughs) watching funny puppies or funny animals or babies and I'm good right like I'm like okay that felt so good but so yeah so finding some way to um to laugh every day is a real simple one one of my favorite things that I discovered during COVID was there's these all these like um on YouTube these reaction videos reaction channels so it would be like watching these kids that are in Gen Z or even maybe younger discover songs that were like our jams and then it's so they're filming themselves watch you know hearing the song for the first time and like this is a bit you know i like that's that thing where if you're what you know you show somebody a song and then you just keep looking at them the whole time to see if they're loving it just as much as you are but it was this like transference of of joy and music and like uh a nostalgia and you know which makes you feel connected and stuff like that so i was watching a lot of those um and and it's just wholesome, you know, it's these kids who had grown up in church who had never heard anything that was secular, basically. <laughs> so, you know, they were listening to like, Hey Ya by Outkast. Oh I know God. this had to be a banger back in the day. Like, oh, don't say back in the day. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. but I think it, like you said about play, that is, uh, that I think for as adults can get harder when we're just like, in our ruts and routines. Yeah. Um, it really is a disruptor, um, it in a lot is. of ways. And so do you have just a, a few, like you said, maybe finger painting, do you have even just some, what are some suggestions of like ways adults can just incorporate play? If you have a pet, like get down on the ground with them and play for five minutes. Like, yes. like dogs, cats, like they love it. Right. And, yeah. uh, and all they need is five minutes. If you have a kid, Mm-hmm. play with them five and, and they don't build up usually <laughs> yeah and the yeah. thing about kids is they don't actually need much time it's about the intentionality of the time like mm. a lot of times we're distracted so they're vying for our attention yes. but what i found is like if i gave my son like 10 solid minutes where i'm just in it with you mm-hmm. he's good Right. Like after that, he's good. Right. And so do, you know, get on, build a fort, get out down there with the kids, get the Play-Doh out. Right. Um, Coloring books, adult coloring books. Right. Board Mm. games with the family. Those are all ways to to play. And and again, some of them are simple. So I will say, Mm. yeah, if you got a pet, just get on the floor with the pet, yeah. you know, yeah. at five minutes on the floor with the pet, usually five minutes when my dog wears me out. Uh, <laughs> That'll do. It's yeah. hard playing. Yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, that's good. That's good. I like those suggestions. Um, really quick, as we sort of wind down here, week seven of the book sort of struck me as like a best practices, like a life hacks for uh, incorporating rhythms of self-care into our lives. Can you just, maybe one or two things you might say to somebody who is like, okay, I'm ready to start, um, but I have a schedule already, or I have a um, budget already, or I have, you know, these commitments or whatever. What, maybe just a few things to help people start to incorporate these rhythms in their, uh, in their lives intentionally. First, start small. Start small. So, and start with the reality of your life. Mm -hmm. So if you've got three young kids at home, right? And it means that, you know, you have very limited time to yourself, 
don't fight that. Right. Mm. And, and, and don't beat yourself up about that. Instead, say, how can I how can I do use this time? Well, right. So start small, set a couple of priorities. When I started, um, I think I had five and they were like drink enough water during the day try to uh, pray and meditate. Um, mm. What was the other one? But there were a few things I, I picked as these are going to be my priorities. And and yeah. they were kind of low hanging fruit. And if I can get those done, great. Yeah. Right. If I get yeah. more done, that's a bonus. But if I can, so pick, you know, maybe three priorities or sometimes yeah. it's one. When I'm in a high stress period, I might pick one. I might say today mm. I'm going to drink enough water. I can't guarantee I'm going to exercise. I'm not sure if I'm going to meditate or or crack open my butt, but I think I can, I'm going to drink water. I'm Mm going to make sure I do that. Right. And so again, start with where you are and start with the reality of your life and then um, build um, experience success. So, and so start and keep it doable, right? Like building momentum, Uh, basically. Yes. Right. Because what you want to do is have a feeling of, okay, yeah, I can do that. And then you build. My self-care plan now is pretty extensive, but it has taken me 20 years to build. It was always pick a practice, do that enough so that it becomes routine. Okay, now I'm ready to layer on something else, yeah. right? Or now I've learned that's not enough. I need this too, right? And mm-hmm. so over time, I've built and built and built, but it started real small. Yeah, I, that's, I always use this as an example, but I see a spiritual director and um, when she first started telling me about uh, like contemplative prayer, um, she said uh, like 20 minutes, of silence um, and uh, twice a day. I, I have ADHD. That felt like a eternity. I was like 20 minutes sitting there twice a day uh, with just that. Like, it's not just my mouth is closed. I'm being quiet, but like in, in it with myself, I was like, I can I, can I start with two minutes <laughs> twice a day? And then th- the saddest thing happened, which was like, there were a few days that the two felt like that was I had just, it was during COVID maybe, or, uh, some, you know, there's stuff personally going on that felt like my, I can't just wrestle, you know, my thoughts for even two whole minutes, but I went, I took the timer down to 45 seconds. And so I still got the momentum, right? Like I, I could adapt the practice that day to still say, I did it today, whatever to, you know, whatever it looked like, I still did it. Um, which kept the habit, frankly, which that's, that was such a big, piece of it for me once you build it into your routine and it's a habit like you said you can start to layer on or choose other ones um but it's the like getting it there and so rather sometimes than me saying well I'm not gonna um, move my body today I might say let me do three stretches while I'm sitting on this couch before I put my shoes on and it's something it's something right that and I think that intention of the something is is important the other thing I'll, I'll, I'll add as a as a, a strategy for people mm-hmm. who have young kids, because that yes. one, that's the group that struggles the most. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I always tell people, make your kids your co-conspirators. Mm. Right. So pick something and then get them to monitor you. Right. Like, and, you know, preschoolers <laughs> love being able to boss their parents. Yeah. Around. That's a good so idea. like if you turn the tables and you say, 
I need you to make sure I exercise today, right? Like mm-hmm. even if it's like five, 10 minutes, right? But it's mm-hmm. really important. I need to do something. Can you make sure I do it today, right? Yeah. I need to make sure I drink. Can you check in on me and make sure I'm drinking, right? That's good. Even meditation, you mm-hmm. can start with little kids. They can sit for a minute. Mm-hmm. And then they might run off while you continue for five minutes, but they can sit for a minute. Right. And to get them to we used to play it with my son and nephew. We would talk about it as who could be quiet the longest. (laughs) Right. And so meditation was like it really was turning it into a competition. Somehow it worked. And so that could stretch them to like three or four minutes and then I would say okay I give them the cue when they were done you're done right but they also because they'd experienced meditation they knew what I was trying to do when I was sitting there so they left me alone for the rest of my time Ah, right because they had experienced it with me that they knew that even though they weren't going to keep sitting they were going to let me sit. So I think there are ways we can, we can kind of bring them into it. Yeah. And I was going to say, it seems like what, like cooking, that would be one where kids can really be part of the process. It becomes partly play because yeah. you're a little bit like, you know, we're doing something creative together and it's also attunement with them. But now you're also meeting your, one of your fundamentals, which is like, I'm cooking something instead of, you know, heating up a, you know, whatever. And I'm not knocking yeah. heating stuff up, but, um, but yeah, that's, I think that's a really helpful thing. Cause I, I mean, I just, the last thing I want to do is hear have some mother of young kids in the weeds, hear this and go like, great, more stuff I can do, <laughs> you know, yeah. or I'm not doing enough or whatever. And I, and I think that you, you adding that in there, um, self-care doesn't necessarily mean you have to be alone. Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily about getting away from it, but yeah. 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 And and yeah. it actually it happens really well in community. And the more we support mm-hmm. the care of other people, the more they'll do it for us. So we can yeah. do that with our kids, right? Yeah. Like our kids can learn their own cues for when they need sleep, when they need time away, right? Like mm-hmm. if you've got kids, I remember my son and my nephew once talking to them about going on vacation. One's an introvert, one's an extrovert. And so I had to explain to them what that meant and how that was going to affect. There's going to be times where you want to be by yourself, mm-hmm. but your cousin needs company. There's going to be times where you need company and your cousin needs to be by himself. Yeah. You're only going to have to figure that out. How do you mm-hmm. both get your alone time, your together time, right? Yeah. Those are little things we can do to help kids begin to figure mm-hmm. out their own needs. And if we model it for them, they won't be in the position that most of us are in where we're trying to recover self-care. Yes, (laughs) Yes. they saw us prioritize it and therefore they know it should be a priority rather than like having to just dig ourselves out from watching our mothers work themselves to death or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's great. Okay, last question I ask all my guests this and you can answer it short, long, silly, serious, however you want to. Um, What is mattering most to you right now? Hmm. I went to water aerobics this morning for the first time in um, since pre-pandemic, actually since my um, my second breast cancer diagnosis. So it's been almost five years hmm. and it was the first time this morning. And I cannot tell you how happy I am. I'm exhausted. But yeah, <laughs> I was, when I got when I was in it, I thought it was great. And then I got I was like, that oh. was really tiring. Um, <laughs> but being back in there, surrounded by all those senior citizens, because mm. I'm the Bless. youngest person in there. <laughs> Bless. Yes. I and love the 
welcome. It was just, it was, it was lovely. Right. And, um, so yeah, that to me, um, I don't know. That was a, that was a big like hurdle for me to get back in it. Right. After all this time. So yeah, that doing that, I think, and committing that to myself, working it out in my schedule, because trying to figure out how I was going to do it, how I was going to move things so I could do it was huge. And I'm so glad I did. Oh, okay. That was my conversation with Dr. Shaniqua Walker-Barnes. My thanks again to her for joining me for this conversation and sharing her wisdom. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Shaniqua, that's C-H-A-N-E-Q-U-A, or on her website at drshaniqua.com. I will also link to these in the show notes. Join me next week as we continue to make space for, honor, and name what matters. And now, according to our tradition as we close out, I offer you this benediction, actually combining two chapter benedictions from Dr. Walker Barnes' book, Sacred Self-Care. Let's pray. You have been reminded that you are God's good and perfect gift, created in the image of the divine and endowed with sacred worth. May you go forth with the clarity and conviction that self-care is your right, your obligation, and your act of resistance. You were created by God, whose love and mercy knows no end, who spoke creation into existence, and who has given you the power of love in both word and deed. May you be so filled with compassion and love for yourself that it overflows and touches all with whom you come into contact. Amen.